Welcome to Inspired Changemakers, a podcast about all the amazing things people are doing to make the world a better place. This podcast is about creating change and the moments that inspired our guests to activate. My name is Julia Healy, and I'm the CEO of United Charitable. Stay tuned to be inspired. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to have you. This podcast is really about creating change and what activated our inspired change makers um, to start their philanthropy journey. So first, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, congratulations for the podcast. I'm loving it. And I appreciate the fact that you have me on the show. So it's super exciting as well. And um, the question you asked me was? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm uh, Charlie Batch. I played 15 years in the NFL, born and raised in Pittsburgh. But a lot of people don't know that. I went to Eastern Michigan University and then from there was drafted by the Lions in 1998. So I played there from 98 to 2001. And then went to Pittsburgh and was in Pittsburgh from 2002 to 2012. And here I am now, 20 years later, back at home. So the beauty of it, it was good. It was good and bad to be home. Good part, it was I was home around family. The bad part was everybody wanted tickets. It was a very <laughs> tough ticket to accommodate. That's awesome. <laughs> and then tell me, what is your earliest memory of philanthropy? Uh, for me, you know, when, you know, kind of growing up and you're doing fundraising and different things of that nature and people are tying you in, you know, it's one thing that, you know, whether you're at a food bank, whether you're a homeless shelter, anything of that, that was just something that really we thought because everybody else was doing it. Okay. That's what you're supposed to do. Not knowing later on, I was like, oh, wow, that was part of philanthropy. And, um, you know, for us to get excited about things like that, it was just something that was instilled in me at a younger age. And that was something that my mom made sure that we knew about when I was growing up. So is it really a family thing? Is most of your family really involved in philanthropy? They are. It, it truly is a family thing. And when you're growing up in a small small town, you know, you're trying to help everybody. And regardless of what the circumstances are, what you're helping for, it's just the fact that, hey, the, if somebody calling you and they need you, there's no questions asked. You know, you do that and then vice versa because, obviously, if you're uh, – you know, going out there and you're doing a favor for somebody, you're hoping that they, you know, they kind of return that, that return that favor back to you at some point. And that's something that we've just always learned uh, from an early age. And did you have just somebody in your life that you really had as an example of a philanthropist that you really looked up to about how they made an impact in the community? Well, it wasn't, um, it wasn't until later on in life, you know, when you kind of go going through a college and then, you know, I started my philanthropy journey, you know, you're trying to figure out, okay, how can you kind of attach yourself and who can you can attach yourself to. And one of them was, um, you know, a guy by the name of Bill Campbell, who actually was from my hometown and his name, the family name was on everything. You're just like, what, who is this Campbell name? You know? Right. And lo and behold, you know, it just was a guy that born and raised in Homestead, Pennsylvania. He ended up going to um, Columbia played football there, got into coaching, became the head coach, and then all of a sudden he just said, you wonder what, I don't want to do this anymore, and moved out west, and he went to Silicon Valley and um, you know built this company up called Intuit, mm. successful exit out, yeah. sat on Apple's board for a number of years, You know, I think it was over 20 years that he sat on Apple's board, and then when I actually got into um, the NFL, and I knew I wanted to do some of these things that he was yeah. doing, and didn't really know who he was. And then ultimately, uh, or I'm sorry, I knew who he was, but didn't meet him personally. Right. And people from the community were saying, hey, you need to reach out to this guy. You know, he's an awesome guy. And I'm thinking to myself, haven't really met him. I'm hoping maybe I, I make this phone call. And if I leave a message, he never called back. I can always say I tried. So literally, I'm leaving my hometown. I'm going, going, getting to the freeway. And I call, and the secretary's name is uh, Debbie. And I say, hey, Miss Debbie, this is Charlie Batch from Homestead. She said, oh, my gosh, one second. 
I'm like, okay. Literally, he picks up the phone. And if you know Bill at all, you know, he's very flavorable as far as with his, his language. Charlie, how the hell are you? What's going on? And I'm like, it felt like I just knew him like yesterday. Right. And we talked about some of the things that I wanted to do and what he was doing and how we can collaborate. And ultimately said, I'm in. Tell me how you need, tell me what you need me to do. And as we started doing some projects back in our hometown, he eventually became the chairman of my foundation board. And we just grew. And that's how I actually got involved in the technology space. Um, because he would always come home. He would always um, do a TED Talk for Carnegie Mellon. And they were at Pittsburgh Technology Council. And then from there, he would go to a Steeler game, maybe a power game, and then tour our foundation office. And then from there, he would kind of, you know, go grab something to drink. And then he'd look up his watch and say, all right, hey, time to go home. And he would drive. He would fly 20 of his friends back home because they had a board meeting the next day. But it was one of those things that I was able to build a relationship with him. Um, and he understood what I was trying to do and what we were looking to do. And a lot of our visions aligned. And that was a guy that really I attached myself to. Ultimately lost him in 2016 because he ended up passing away to, uh, from cancer. But it was just one of those things, just the people he was connected with. He was truly a relationship-driven guy, and it didn't matter who it was because literally at his funeral, we're all sitting there. You can see the go- uh, founders of Amazon and Google and all of right. these guys that are there. And um, literally um, right next to me, um, there was an empty seat. And my wife kind of looks at me and she says, who's that next to you? And I said, not really sure because it's literally 20 yards in it was all VIP. And I look over, I said, it's just some guy by the name of Tim Cook, Tim Cook, Google him. He's worth about $750 million right now. And that was in 2016. I number far exceeds yeah. kind of where we are, but it was just literally, that's the impact that he actually had because his claim to fame was actually one of those ones where um, he became coach of Silicon Valley okay. and he literally identified talent and his claim to fame was Jeff Bezos. Oh, when wow. Microsoft were getting ready to fire him. And he's wow. still an alleged to know that is my guy. If you fire him, you were making the wrong decision. And ultimately, he uh, that was his claim to fame. And ultimately, um, they wrote a book about his life. And it's called A Trillion Dollar Coach. Uh-huh. And literally, all the people that he mentored underneath him all had a trillion dollar valuation. And in that book, we actually have two mentions with our Best of the Batch Foundation. And people are like, we didn't know you knew him like that. And my name, you know, continues to populate because as people read the book, they tag us and like, man, what a great guy, man. I wish they had a pleasure of knowing him. And I'm like, yes, I was able to do that over 25 years. And so tell me, how did the best of the batch get started? Was it really just, how did you figure out what was the cause that you were really going to be fighting for? Yeah, for me, it was uh, one of those things to work because I was, when I was at Eastern Michigan, um, I lost my sister to uh, sister's gang violence. And literally, she was only 17 years old, had never had an opportunity to live life. And it was tough because, you know, just trying to get the story on kind of what was going on. And essentially, you know, the story goes like this. She was walking down the street from a friend's house, got caught in crossfire between rival gangs. And the guy that she was with used her as a body shield. And Danielle never had an opportunity of life. And she was only 17. And at that moment, I said, if I was ever in position to give back, I would. And at that point, trying to do something in our family has never been done. And I was graduating college. And I was able to do that in 1997. Ultimately, hopefully being, I'm sorry, 1996, ultimately help being in position to um, hopefully one of those 32 teams knew who Charlie Batch was and trying to go out there that following year and making sure that, you know, from 96 to 97 and then ultimately hopefully being drafted. And I was able to do that in April of 1998 by the Lions in the second round. And immediately after that season, I said, this is it. This is an opportunity to start something to hopefully uh, make a lasting impact. And we started the Best of the Batch Foundation, which was January of 1999. 
did some one-off programming in Detroit. When I was redirected into Pittsburgh in 2002, I thought that that would be my only uh, chance season in Pittsburgh. So I said, okay, let's put some programming together. And ultimately, in 2002, we created a basketball league. And it was one of those ones to where, you know, we just wanted to get girls and boys off the street, tire them out, go home and go to sleep. That was the ultimate vision of what we were trying to do. And we had 125 kids that year, 25 volunteers. Um, That summer, I'm sorry, 25 volunteers, 125 kids. And ultimately, we're like, we're on to something. And literally by year two, we were at 300 kids, 100 volunteers, 325 kids. Like the numbers kept growing. So we knew we were on to something, but that was the low-hanging fruit was basketball. Now we're saying, okay, now dangle that carrot. And then ultimately, now they have to attend four mandatory study halls and read a book. And it was the easier way of doing it that way versus saying, hey, meet me at the library. We're going to read a book in the summer. I'm lucky right. to get 20 kids, right? Right. So that was our opportunity. So Best of the Batch Foundation is an educational foundation, which we use sports to, 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 to that low-hanging fruit. And ultimately, we want them to now um, dictate kind of what we want to do with the educational space. So that's kind of where we were. And just imagine over 19 years, you're bringing other communities into another, right? Right. And as we kind of pull one to another, you know, you, all these other communities coming in, Sports is that heartbeat, right? You know, you ever is easier to do that. But literally in 19 years, I've only had one fight, one fight in all these communities coming into our neighborhood. And I was two little girls fighting over a little boy that they claimed that they were going with. Right. <laughs> of course. So like, it. that's the, if that's the worst that can happen, you want to know what we'll take that all day. And I think ultimately as we were growing, we were growing and busting out of the seams of our existing foundation building. And that was one of the things that really started our vision of saying, how can we now expand? Because we are actually, you know, using every inch of space in our building. It, whatever, the, whatever program was going on, that's what the building looked like. We had storage units all over the place. And we said, how can we get bigger? And we were roughly 5,300 square feet. And then ultimately saying, if we can now expand, we don't care if that's 10,000 square feet. Whatever it looks like, it's more than what we have now. And ultimately, it led us to starting talking about what growth looks like with the Best of the Batch Foundation for the next 20 years. And now here we are going from 5,300 square feet to 33,000. So we are excited about that. And creating change is not something that's very easy, right? We talk about really changing communities, changing ourselves, like being better in all aspects. Tell me why you really think you can make a change in the community. Well, for me, it's, it's home. And that's, the, you know, that's something that I strive upon. And I, not many people have the luxury of playing for their hometown team and literally being 10 minutes away from where they practice at. And that was my situation. So having that opportunity to not only practice, and then Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers, they do a lot of great things in the community. And one of the things that I really had conversation with early, and I'm like, I understand what the impact that you have throughout the city of Pittsburgh, but for me, I have to start with home. I can't go out and now be attached to something that's in another community, might be three or four neighborhoods over, without taking care of home first. And that was something that they really would, they back me, they support it and say, we're going to build it within and we're going to continue to grow out and ultimately allow me to kind of flourish, allow best of the batch to flourish, also allowing us to do what we're continuing to do to this day. And that was 20 years ago when we had that conversation with uh, Mr. Rooney and the Pittsburgh Steelers organization and saying, this is what we're trying to do and ultimately trying to create change, which we've been able to do. And I'm just hoping that, you know, my sister is looking down and she's smiling at the impact and the work that we're doing throughout the Southwestern Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank United Charitable for sponsoring today's Inspired Changemakers podcast. United Charitable is a national nonprofit that focuses on guiding you on your charitable journey. 
Whether you like to simply streamline your giving or you like to create your own charitable initiative, United Charitable has the knowledge and resources to support you. If you'd like to learn more, check out the link in our bio. That's, that's absolutely amazing. And why do you think football players or basketball players or professional athletes really can make a difference? Well, it, you're a lot more visible. And when you look at, um, you know, when you're coming up, football is a little different because you're, you're wearing helmets. But basketball players, everybody sees who they yeah. are. They can actually identify them. Yeah. But football, you know, you, you have a helmet on, but it allows you now to tell your story. But because it's so successful, because those are the best football and basketball are two highest driven sports, people are paying attention to that, especially if you're from their hometown. So for me to have that opportunity and you know, playing the quarterback position and, you know, you're always in front of the, the microphone, you're in front of the media. So people are seeing you a little bit more. But it also allows people to learn who you are off the field. And that was something that, you know, you had to kind of work out before social media platforms are kind of what they are now. And I always tell people you're not bragging about what you're doing. You're just making people aware of what's going on. Because if you don't promote yourself, who else will? Right. At the end of the day, who else will? But now you're telling a story to the point where now people want to now be attached to that. And say, oh, wow, I like what they're doing here. How can we impact it? Because there may be a story and there may be a similar story that may be connecting us to that you may not have been aware of. Like, you've learned about my sister today, and you're like, oh, wow, I've known you all of this, uh, this whole time and never knew why this foundation was created. But I don't talk about it a lot. You know, it's just something, some of, some of those things to where, you know, I mentioned it before, but as we continue to move on and look at what's going on in the future, you know, then we can talk about some of these stories. And if there's somebody else who's going through that and we can help ease that pain, whether myself, my wife, my, uh, you know, my mom, and our family can talk about the challenges that we went through over the last 20 years. Now, it's not going to bring that particular person back, but also you're trying to now create and keep those memories alive. And those are things that we strive to do with our foundation. And now that they, the kids that we serve, we serve 3,800 kids annually throughout southwestern Pennsylvania. So the kids don't necessarily know, you know, about how we got created. Some of these kids don't even know that I play football because they're like, uh, because I, my last down was 11 years ago. So these kids that are understanding, so but yet that next generation, your high school kids, you your college kids, they know who I am, so they're able to tell it. But obviously, the, um, you know, people within the family can tell the story of why that particular grandchild now may be a part of something that didn't exist 20 years ago. You know, it's funny because if I had rings, I would wear them all the time. I just wanted to <laughs> let you know that that's kind of my aspect of that. Um, but what impact that you really, like you've talked about, you know, um, 3,800 3, students per year. What impact have you really seen make a difference? Well, I think that day-to-day -day interaction, because it's easy, you know, and I'm going to say easy, but you see, you know, or people who, you know, may give scholarships to high school seniors. Okay, but what does that day-to-day -day interaction allow them to get to that point to even be ready for, you know, scholarship application? So I think that day-to-day -day interaction, you understand the challenges, the struggles, and all of these things that are happening, and, you know, just kind of showing up to a graduation, you know, you have students that are just bawling because they're like, we're not supposed to be here. Challenges. You look at everything, all the sacrifices that mom had to make for me. We were very uncertain as, as it relates to getting to this point. But yet they remember and they say, thank you. You were there since I was four years old. And that's something that you kind of resonate, but you don't think about it. But you're just like, wow. And you try not to get emotional because, these, you know, you feel like they're, all, they're your kids. Yeah. You know, you're trying to hold it together. But when you see that smile. And when they're taking that picture, when on their day that, you know, they deem successful, you know, the school deemed them successful as, you know, being a high school graduate, that's important to us. Now it's like, okay, what's next? 
You, we want to celebrate you. But now what is next? Because, again, college isn't for everybody. You see people want to go to trade school. We're there on trying to put plans together for all of these students. And when you have a physical location in the manner that we do, they walk through that door. There's no questions asked. We don't hold judgment. What's going on? Talk to us. And that's something that when you build that trust from an early stage on, man, when they walk through that building, they feel like they could just talk to you. And there's no, no judgment when they're in our building. And is there ever a time that you can feel, you know, as somebody, as a social entrepreneur, I mean, I know you're a football player. I know you're, I could name you a million different titles, but social entrepreneur, somebody that's really working to make this world a better place. When, is there a time that you get hopeless or a time that you don't think it's enough or a time that you wish you'd do more? What do you say to yourself to keep it going? Well, I think it's, it's always the one that you, that you didn't save, that you think about. You know, we can have, you know, a hundred kids and you're like, what, what did we do wrong with that one? And then you now, you know, put, put the game plan together and say, okay, let's not allow this to happen again. Now, we know we can't save them all, but, you know, if we can save one, that's one more than it was yesterday. And you we're just trying to keep that particular trend going. And those are things that we always sit back and that's like when you over-criticize and you're overthinking, you know, what did, what did we do wrong? Did, right. Was there a sign, right. you know, two years ago? Was yeah. there a sign three Could years ago? And those are things that you just don't know, you know, and obviously life happens, family circumstances happen. Um, but those are the things that we think about, you know, but, you know, all the, out of all the great things that we do well and our team does a fantastic job because, again, we don't do this by ourselves. These are things that it, it's a collective effort from everybody around. And when you have thousands and thousands of volunteers who believe in what you're doing, you know, it's humbling because yeah. they can do they can decide what they want to do on a Saturday between, you know, Saturday morning and do something else. But when they select your organization, that is truly humbling because that look back, you're like, wow, wow, we truly appreciate you because, again, what you may deem as not as valuable, but when you're a small nonprofit, that those man hours, man, those come in handy big time. We truly appreciate all of our volunteers for doing that. And how can people join your team? Volunteering, donations, what are what are you really looking for for your community or the public out there? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody can, uh, if they want to be a part of what we're doing volunteer-wise, they can go to batchfoundation.org. You'll see the contact list that our contact uh, form that comes directly to me and we'll get it to our team and make sure that um, we get you where you needed to be placed. But also you have to let us know what you're interested in because we run 13 different programs throughout a calendar year. So we have to know what you do and what you're interested in. We have some people that just say, you want to know what? I just want to wrap during the holiday time. And that's all they want to do. We don't care if you call us in that last 11, next 11 months. We're like, no, we're going to always keep you informed, but that's all, that's what they want to do. So I think the beauty of it for us not only, you know, volunteering that way, what we do is work with organizations that actually maybe want to do team building activities. You know, maybe want to collect school supplies, maybe want to stuff book bags, maybe want to, you know, during the holiday time, they want to wrap presents for, for kids. There are many opportunities that we can actually get involved. So whether that's you individually, maybe you want to take that back to your organization, you can actually let us know. We'll get you on the calendar. We'll work with you and want you to come over to see what we're doing at the Best of the Batch Foundation, but also how we can now make an impact, not only with our organization, but throughout the entire southwestern Pennsylvania. So I saw the pictures of your toy drives from last year. I don't know how you got enough volunteers to wrap all those gifts. That was intense. That's absolutely amazing. No, it was awesome. We had over 250 families that we, I'm sorry, 225 families that we adopted. We had over, that was equivalent to over 850 kids that were able to, um, to have presents during the holiday time. And when you have thousands of volunteers that come over and want to wrap presents, Man, that is truly, uh, it's a truly a blessing because we collect them, collect the presents unwrapped. 
but we need help wrapping them. And that's why we call it a wrapping party. So it's pretty cool to see everybody. And we actually make it a family uh, family environment. So if you bring if you have kids, we want you to bring them as well because they actually go shopping for the for the age groups that they actually are with all of the toys. And then everybody just wraps them. They go into a big Santa bag, go on a truck, and we actually deliver them on Christmas Eve. And that's the difference between what we are doing and what some of the other organizations are doing. We actually, from collection to delivery, so we want to make sure that we're as transparent as possible. So when a volunteer puts their hard-earned dollar into buying a present, they know it's getting delivered to the right person. And so what would you say for the donor that says, you know, Charlie, I only can give you $50 a month. Would that really make enough of an impact? Would you even need that, you know, it's not that much money. It's $600 a year. That's something even would be worth it. Oh, absolutely it is. Because, you know, again, something that may not necessarily be that much or they don't think it's important. It's important to us because, for instance, we have a day camp that we have coming up. Starts June 12th. We have 155 kids that are registered for seven weeks, four days a week. And it is free for every child that comes through our building. All of our programs are free. So when these kids are coming in June 12th, that $50 may say, you know what? This may be two or three days worth of meals for that one particular kid. So, yes, that is extremely important because all of this happens. Because every child that comes in, they get breakfast, lunch, and a snack. Then they go home. Because some of these kids, that may be the only meal that they get for the day. So at that point, we want to make sure that they're going home with something that they have. So again, that $50, that is valuable to us because those are things that people didn't, don't necessarily think of when you're doing this, especially when you have families that are uh, struggling in this particular manner as school is letting out. They don't know what they're going to do with their kids because we can't attach a price tag to that. Because if you're a family of three and it costs you $500 for a summer, yeah. you don't have $1,500 in your budget. So right. we're trying to offset that by creating a free program. And then the money that you do have, if your child wants to do something else, they have the flexibility to now go do something else and not have to select one versus the other because the family just doesn't have the resources to do that. And a lot of the other problems that nonprofits run into is this idea of sustainability, Mm -hmm. right? How are we going to make sure that this program stays around and what is the best of batch approach? Well, what we do is we don't introduce something to, to kids unless it can be around for three to five years. And people look at us and say, well, why? It's because, We don't want to create any more false hope than what these kids are already going through right now. So we don't want to get them excited this summer and then we can't introduce it next year. So we cannot create that three to five year sustainability plan. We don't even introduce it to them. And that's something that we just don't do. We'll work with another organization that does that and they do it better. Then that's okay. But we just don't want to create that false hope. And what would you like to be remembered for? Um, for me, it's, you know, it's one thing to be, you know, known on the field, you know, 15 year NFL veteran, two time Super Bowl champion. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of people that don't even know that that may not even care to know that it's about being a better person off the field than I was on. And for me, that's why I always use more than because I'm more than a football player. And it gets to the point of letting people know that this is something that I always strive to do. And hopefully, we're just going out there, continue to do our small little piece as we're trying to kind of embrace these kids and get them to think outside the box. Well, and getting them to think outside the box sometimes gets you to the point of just removing the box and allowing right. a blank canvas and allow these kids to dream. And if you really think about kind of your effect and the 3,800 students, and you think about how the difference that you made in their world and if they're going to be able to make a difference in somebody else's world and what 
you know, door, box, whatever, they're going to be able to open for other people because they, you know, because you gave him that that globe. The ripple effect is absolutely amazing with that. Oh, it absolutely is. And I think these are things that people don't think about. And I can think about, you know, struggling coming up in high school. And I remember my high school coach bought me a pair of uh, cleats, first new pair of cleats that I had. And, and I tell him that story and he'd be like, I forgot all about that. But again, you've been doing it for so long that this just comes natural. I want to be that person too, that you sit back and now continue to now share, to continue to create and do these type of things that you know that you're doing something for somebody else that they may not even be able to repay you. But when you see the smile on that face, you know, it's all well worth it. And I think about my earliest memories, you know, memories of philanthropy and, and I was, You'll hear me say this. My parents' philanthropy wasn't my philanthropy, but I'm a diehard Eagles fan. And, you know, anytime Donovan McNabb would ever put anything on the screen about what he was doing, I became super inter- like interested in all the change that he wanted to create because he did it on the field, right? The whole fan base around him was cheering for him. And I just thought, what an amazing social entrepreneur that's really going to be able to make a difference. Um, so just giving kids, you know, the opportunity to dream and think of outside the box is just such an amazing um, – just again, how many kids do you think that have gone through your program? Uh, so if I could do the math, you know, here, yeah, the math in we, my head, if I could do your ripple effect, but no, how many kids do you? Yeah, know? we weren't we weren't at thirty eight hundred kids fifteen years ago. Right. You know, now it's a consistent over the last ten years. Crazy. Now with the building that we uh, that we have and we open, our numbers are, are scheduled to uh, increase to six thousand kids annually. And right now we're in nine different counties throughout southwestern Pennsylvania that ultimately will go into ten. And we want to continue to grow and nothing's stopping us at this particular point. We have a ton of support and we have volunteers who believe in the mission and the vision of what we're trying to accomplish. This is what allows us to grow to the levels that we are. We don't do this by by ourselves. Latasha and I do not do this by ourselves. And and if I sat here and told you that, I'll be lying to you. And people know that that's not true. And I'm quick to credit. And our team has been, man, it's been huge. And even just yesterday, you know, we had – you know, we celebrated our back-to-school event, and what we do is celebrate teachers, administrators, students, uh-huh. bus drivers. We celebrate them for making it through another school year because it is a challenge, and it truly takes a village to do that. So what we had yesterday, we had ice cream social, and uh-huh. we gave ice cream to all the kids, uh, food, cookies, popcorn, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, we had a big commu- small mini-community day, and to see over 230 people show up, to event between, you know, for a couple hours and and just see the smiles on their faces, man, that was it because we know how challenging it is, especially, you know, we know the resources aren't necessarily there and everybody who helped us get to this point, we want to thank them too. So we just are truly, truly appreciative. And again, anybody who wants to follow what we do, they can go to batchfoundation.org. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Charlie, so much for being on the podcast today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. And I love watching you and all the things that you're doing. And it inspires me every single day to keep inspiring other people to make a change. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Charlie. Find Inspired Changemakers on Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn and comment on all the awesome things you are doing to make this world a better place. Don't forget to subscribe.